Hey, beautiful humans. It's time to stop sacrificing for everyone else and put you first. Are you feeling tired, stuck, or disconnected? Or maybe you're just looking to be the best version of you. I'm Mary Wong. And I'm Dr. Tanya Wild, and this is Embrace, Embrace You First, a podcast to help you thrive and not just survive. We are busy moms, successful entrepreneurs, and doctors in the field of natural medicine with over 40 years combined clinical experience. You're going to learn from our professional expertise and our juicy secrets that have helped thousands of men and women just like you. We are going to teach you practical and doable strategies on health, relationships, and career. So sit back, relax, and get ready to embrace you right now. Falling in love with your hormones is such an easy thing to do when you have a better understanding of how each one works in your body and the interconnectedness of each hormone and how they all work together to better serve you, your physical self, your mind, your body. And today we have Dr. Fiona McCullough, naturopathic doctor, hormone expert, explaining all about your hormones so you can fall back in love with them. And before we get started talking about falling in love with your hormones and how you can do that again, we have... Dr. Fiona McCullen, I'm going to go into more detail about who she is. Thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Fiona. Thank you so much, so happy Dr. To have Tanya you and Dr. <laughs> Mary. It's so great to be here. And I'm, I love your show. It's uh, like really an honor to be a guest. I've been following it since you guys started. You guys are good friends of mine. So I just, I'm super happy oh, to be here. That's so super. Thank you so much. And we, you know, it's a love fest because we have mutual love for you and you know, you've been, made such an impact in this world, and and I, I see that you continue to do so. And just you know, take you're like such a visionary. And you know, when you wrote your book um, to reverse eight steps to reverse your PCOS, I remember you saying, "Gosh, like you know, how will I reach people? And like, will people buy?" And of course, because so many people yeah. have hormonal issues, and so many people have PCOS. So thank you for writing this. Um, it's actually a bestseller, and I think there's constantly every week. How many are sold of your eight steps to reverse your PCOS? Like there was a time when there was like just selling like hot pancakes, which totally makes sense because honestly, it is such an amazing book. It's probably the best hormone book that I've ever read in general, flat out. And then on top of that, just understanding myself and my own polycystic ovary syndrome. And Dr. Fiona McCullough is a naturopathic doctor and founder of White Lotus Integrative Medicine in Toronto, on uh, Ontario, Canada to give a little bit more of an introduction and an urban wellness clinic serving thousands of women with hormonal conditions since 2001. And in addition to being one of my best friends, she's a bestseller. So <laughs> I love it. Right? <laughs> she is a well-researched and in, in the topic of polycystic ovary syndrome and hormones. And she is also a medical advisor to um, and developed the nutrition methodology for the Open Source Health Project, which analyzes molecular genetic, metabolic, and hormonal markers in women with polycystic ovary syndrome. And as a woman with PCOS herself, Dr. Fiona is fortunate enough to serve as a guide providing trusted information that empowers women to manage their own health. So tell us, tell us about the book. I'm curious. Yeah, so I wrote the book uh, about four years ago, and uh, I didn't really think anyone would read it, but apparently that wasn't the case. You're Many so people cute. did read it. And 
they did. I cover to cover. I really enjoyed writing it. It didn't just sit um, on the shelf. Yes. <laughs> yeah, but um, I enjoyed writing it. It just allowed me to get in touch with so many women around the world. And I just did not know that there was so much of a need for a book like this about PCOS. So um, PCOS is obviously a very complicated hormonal condition. It has a lot of different elements to it. So um, one of the things I really liked uh, about writing that book was that I got to really cover all of the different hormones and, you know, geek out on everything about hormones. So, um, and I still do to this day. It's uh, something I just really apparently can't stop doing. Um, so right. I just love so talking about that topic. And, and, you know, so we want to make sure, sure people are clear. So it's not like you have to have PCOS to listen in on this conversation because we're, you know, looking at women's hormones, period. And, and men's hormones. And men's yes. hormones, absolutely. Just understanding the interplay mm -hmm. and how they all work and how not to get too frustrated when they're out of balance because just making little tweaks and understanding them um, yes. is so important. Making yeah. little tweaks can have such a huge ripple effect. And rather than being angry at your hormones, we want you to fall in love with them again because they have play such an important role in our bodies. Yeah. So can you yeah. tell us about the main types of hormones? So yeah, there's many different types of hormones. And uh, I think the thing, you know, what we think about as hormones are often what we call sex hormones, which include estrogen, progesterone, which are what we like consider the female hormones, although, you know, males do have these hormones as well. And uh, testosterone, which is what often we consider a male hormone, but females have it also. So these hormones are in everyone. They have a lot of effects on our bodies, our minds. And then we also have uh, other types of hormones like metabolic hormones, including insulin. Uh, there is also thyroid hormone. And then there's cortisol, which is our stress hormone that's released by our adrenal glands. Thank you. And can you tell us about the impact of stress on all of these hormones? Yeah, so stress is such a big thing, especially these days uh, during the pandemic. Um, I'm mm -hmm. seeing a lot of patients in my practice who are really stressed out. Uh, more than usual, for sure. Um, so stress impacts all of our hormones. Um, it affects, obviously, cortisol is the stress hormone that we release in higher amounts if we have chronic stress. But high amounts of stress can actually reduce our overall production of all the hormones. So things like estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, all of those will be reduced by stress. Um, it's our body's way of conserving. So hormones are something that are messengers. They're um, often produced, you know, when there's the ability to like reproduce. And in times of stress, it's not the best time to do that. So it just down regulates all of our different hormones. So stress can have a huge, huge impact on basically everything uh, with respect to hormones. So then let's make it really um, tangible for people because, you know, when you say hormones, people might go, right? So yeah. if we make it relatable, what does it look like? You know, if there's a hormonal imbalance, what are the actual symptoms that get expressed when there's an imbalance? So in women, um, what you'll often see is uh, changes in the menstrual cycle. So the menstrual cycle might become irregular or there might be some differences there. You know, heaviness of the period might be different. There might be PMS, uh, mood changes before the period comes. 
Um, you might have a change in your libido. So that's a huge one for both men and women in stress. They, the libido can be reduced. Um, if you know you see a change that way, uh, you might think something's going on with the hormones. Um, there can be changes in weight. So sometimes you can see uh, weight gain. Uh, that can be related to thyroid hormone or cortisol, especially around the midsection. Um, and with insulin as well, if someone becomes what we, we would call insulin resistant, they will start to gain weight around their midsection too. So hormones can have huge impacts in so many different types of ways. So if uh, I always tell people, if you notice something is sort of different and you feel different in some way, get your hormones checked because that could, it's very common to have hormonal imbalances. And in men, did you mention men? I didn't, I didn't uh, catch that. Did you mention what are some of the ways that men are affected when stress is at play? Yeah, so for men, hormones, um, really, they, you know, they don't have menstrual cycles, obviously. So we're looking at, <laughs> we're looking at other things that, you know, libido is a big one. Phantom ones, totally. <laughs> so yeah, so for men, the libido can be affected quite a bit. And then weight, a lot of times men will notice that they're, they're gaining weight, especially around the belly, you know, if they have high cortisol or something going on with their insulin. And then for, for thyroid, you know, the big one is fatigue. A lot of people will feel yes. very tired, trouble getting out of bed in the morning, brain fog, um, weight gain, dry skin, and hair loss. So all of those you can see in men and women. And even with insulin resistance, right? With fatigue, sometimes we think it's the thyroid, but it could actually be insulin resistance kind of creeping since one in three yeah. Canadians have pre-diabetes. Yes. It's such, and people don't think about insulin as a hormone. Can you tell us a little bit more about insulin, the hormone? Yes, insulin is one of the most misunderstood poor little hormones. It's so yeah. powerful. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> <laughs> but people don't really think of it as a hormone and they confuse it no. a lot with sugar, like blood sugar. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, and then they'll be like, is, is insulin really a hormone? It absolutely is a hormone. It has so many effects on our bodies. It actually blocks fat burning. It increases weight gain, but we need insulin to live. Without it, you can see type one diabetics will lose weight so rapidly and they actually mm. will die without insulin. But there are situations where insulin can become too high all the time and that can put us into a state of, firstly, our blood sugar isn't regulated properly. So you can have, you know, a roller coaster of blood sugar where when you eat, you know, your blood sugar goes up, then it crashes, you get tired, gain weight around the midsection, um, a lot of trouble losing weight. So a lot of people with insulin resistance are working really hard all the time, you know, to change their diet, exercise, and they're fighting against this hormonal imbalance where they're just gaining weight and not losing weight despite working really, really hard. So I always tell people, you know, if you're, you know, changing your diet, doing all the right things, and you're not losing weight, get your insulin levels checked because it's definitely a huge problem. As you say, like one in three people have, have this and I see it yeah. all the time. Mm -hmm. Thank you for tip. explaining that. So yeah. then how about now going more specifically coinciding with the menstrual cycle, right? So like what happens with our hormones? Cause it's naturally, um, I mean, we don't have a uh, specific hormone at specific concentrations at all stages of the menstrual cycle, right? So can you go through the phases? 
Oh yeah, this is like one of my favorite topics because I really like reading about (laughs) the brain and hormones and how it affects us. And, you know, I know for myself, I feel very, very different at different times of my cycle. So at the beginning of your menstrual cycle, while you're having your period, your hormones are very low in general. So all of them are low. A lot of people feel really calm, you know, at that time. Um, It's a time for reflection, for rest. And, you know, there's a certain kind of calmness there. Then our estrogen starts to rise um, up until we go through ovulation, which takes about two weeks on average for most uh, for most women. Um, as our estrogen rises, that helps us produce serotonin in the brain. So we can feel pretty darn happy around the time before we ovulate. So a lot of women report like they feel a good mood boost. They feel really like positive. And then we get a little bump of testosterone at that time, which gives us a lot of motivation, drive. So right before you ovulate, a lot of women feel like superheroes. And, you know, they're feeling pretty awesome. <laughs> they can do all kinds of things, feeling really positive. Then once we ovulate, that's when we start to make progesterone. So we only really make progesterone for two weeks out of every month. Uh, We make a tiny bit at other times, but that two weeks after we ovulate, we make a huge amount of progesterone. Progesterone has a lot of different um, properties to it in our body, in our brain. It actually is one of the hormones that makes us feel calm and relaxed. Um, So it can increase our sense of, of, you know, just feeling relaxed because of this neurotransmitter it induces called GABA, which, um, you know, it's a calming neurotransmitter. So progesterone helps us with that. Another interesting thing is that progesterone can increase our appetite and make us feel hungry. So a lot of studies have shown that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We eat more (laughs) in that phase of our cycle. Indeed. (laughs) And another thing that I, I found really interesting about progesterone is that when we exercise, having progesterone there actually increases our cortisol production from exercise. Whereas in the first phase of our cycle, that doesn't happen. So the type of exercise you might do in the second phase of your cycle might be a little bit different. You might not want to do something so stressful at that time, especially if you already have a bit of a problem with stress or cortisol. So um, I always found that. So what does that look like? So, so so like let's be really practical so then what kind of exercise should one do if they're more of the stressy type before ovulation and after ovulation yeah so if you're if you're kind of a stressy type of person um in the or even if you have a lot of stress like we all do these days um the first part of your cycle you can go and do all kinds of exercise and your body is super resilient to that um in most cases of course if you're depleted and really exhausted that might be different But the second phase of your cycle, your cortisol will rise more from exercise. So it might be more beneficial to do, you know, something maybe not quite as stressful. So maybe cut a little bit back on the HIIT training, you know, those really super intense exercises, especially if you feel tired after doing it. That's, you know, a lot of the time I'll just ask patients to listen to their bodies. And if you feel like you need to lie down after you've exercised, you know, you need to cut back on that, especially in the the second phase of your cycle, because we just are a little bit more sensitive to stress at that time. And I feel like it's important to note that if we overdo HIIT training or overwork out just prior to ovulation as a woman with PCOS, sometimes that can delay the ovulation. Um, I always found if I overtrained, then my ovulation would be way like weeks late. 
And for me, if I, I love that feeling of just working out excessively just before the periods. I don't feel irritable. So I don't know. Tell me about yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. What's going on there? <laughs> like yeah. right before yeah. your period, you know, sometimes you do need a little bit of an endorphin boost because, you know, the right. mood, like the week before your period, your progesterone is actually crashing. So mm-hmm. it's really nice and high. But then, you know, the week before your period, it starts to, to go down. And so does your estrogen. And so that's a stressor to your body. And a lot of us feel irritated at that time. We feel cranky, irritable, not so happy, not so positive. And so exercise at that time can actually really boost your mood. But, you know, always listen to your body. If you feel good after doing it, it's probably good for you. If you feel really tired, it's probably not the best thing. I just want to add in a little bit of TCM here. So in Chinese medicine, you know, sometimes right before the period, you want to help a good transition. And sometimes if there's kind of a stagnation in the body, that little bit of movement will actually help to push that stagnated energy so that you can have a nice smooth flow of, you know, menstrual cycle. Right. So that's important. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Absolutely love it. Yeah, for sure. And what are some of the strengths of the hormones um, as they pertain to mood and energy um, at, through the cycle or not through the cycle? Can you yeah. tell us some of the strengths? That would be awesome. So testosterone for men and women actually has similar effects. Um, it, it can increase our drive. It can increase our cognitive abilities, um, libido. So um, it's a great hormone to have. You don't want to have too much, but you you definitely want to have testosterone. Um, Estrogen is interesting. It it definitely can help us feel positive, connected, um, you know, nurturing. um, But it's it's, uh, really uh, serotonin is what it helps with. So that kind of positive mood, um, connected mood is really, you know, estrogen superpower. And then progesterone, um, interestingly, I read some research to show us it helps us feel more connected to our partner. So um, when we have high progesterone, because we could be pregnant at that time during that Mm. second phase of the cycle, there's something about that that's connecting to our, our partner, which I thought was really super interesting. So this is all really interesting. And, you know, we're talking about women that are actively having menstrual cycles. But then how about, you know, the perimenopausal or postmenopausal women, right? So the hormones are on a decline. I find, you know, women become more assertive, more aggressive, perhaps at times. You know, tell us about what goes on there hormonally. And andropausal men and yes, how they yes, all interact right. around yeah. that yes. age, that yes. stage with the changes. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Right. right. Perimen- <laughs> yeah. So, like, there's different phases of menopause. Perimenopause is the first you know, stage before you go through full menopause. So in perimenopause, women are still having periods, but estrogen is super, super jagged at that time. So our estrogen can go, you know, really super high one day and then crash down the next day. And I've, I've seen this in patients' labs where, you know, it'll be insanely high and then you check it another time and it's almost zero, you know? <laughs> so yeah, I'm starting all this too myself. And it's so, it's just, it's uh, Dr. Jerry Lynn Pryor from UBC is a researcher on progesterone. She calls it estrogen storm season. Yes, so yes, uh, I love her. 
I love her. And she just talks, she has a book on this and uh, talking about women's stories of perimenopause and how it's just such a, a time of, you know, change and like rapid cycling. The cycling goes away and it just becomes, you know, up and down and all around. So there's a lot of adapting, changing. A lot of women actually like completely change in, in the way that they feel. Um, after that goes on for some time, which can last quite a while, unfortunately, like or for <laughs> like a decade, <laughs> yeah. Um, there can be lots of things happening with the periods and they can be heavy, irregular, all kinds of things like this. But um, then everything kind of goes down the estrogen and it becomes very low all the time. So at that point in time, things are are calmer in, you know, hormonally in that they're not, the hormones aren't changing all the time, but there's still more testosterone than there is compared to uh, estrogen and progesterone. So that's where you're seeing a lot of women become more assertive. Um, you know, they, they sort of know what they want and are, they, they don't have those fluctuations anymore. So it's a kind of beautiful thing to see. It's like a totally, it's almost like you turn into a different person in my opinion. Yeah, no, I, I love that. And, you know, for the show notes, we'll include Estrogen Storm in it so that we can look towards it. And, you know what, I want to add in right now that we had Dr. Laura Shaheen on. I don't know if you saw that episode. And yes. I love it that she mentioned your book and you because it was like, here's a doctor looking to a naturopathic doctor on PCOS and on hormonal imbalances. She's like, I didn't learn this in med school. Yeah. Right? Like, oh. isn't that amazing? Yeah. I just love her. And I love her book too, um, Not Broken, about uh, yes. pre uh, recurrent pregnancy loss. It's amazing. I recommend it to patients all the time who are dealing with that. Absolutely. Yeah. And going back to uh, estrogen, I think people think often uh, that their estrogen is just low. Like they, they come in to see me and they think, I think my estrogen's gone low, but I love how you describe it. It's like the estrogen storm, the ups and downs. And, but I, and I also think that in, in, in thinking of falling in love with our hormones rather than the resisting the kind of changes that we go through around that time, just really spending the time to nourish our bodies as we do adapt. So there's less of a storm perhaps, or can you give us some tips and ideas on how to kind of embrace that perimenopausal stage? Yeah. Like, you know, what I noticed is that everyone has a very different, unique experience with that phase of life. Yeah. And there are some women who just sail through it. Maybe it's genetics. I don't know what it is, but there's some people who are really lucky and they have no troubles. And then there's people who are super healthy, whose estrogen just goes wild for no real reason that we can really understand. But there's definitely things that you can do that will help this for sure. And, you know, nutrition is a big part of it. So getting you know, whole foods, nourishing foods, you know, low glycemic index, avoiding sugars and uh, processed carbohydrates, because we don't want to be adding insulin resistance into this picture and add a, a blood sugar roller coaster in addition to the estrogen roller coaster. So, um, you know, really focusing on that whole healthy foods diet. You can also add in, you know, foods like flax seeds, um, legumes, you know, many of them have phytoestrogenic components that can soften that effect on the receptor. So our, our estrogen, our cells take a little bit of time to adapt to these fluctuating levels of hormones. They're not used to that. 
and we have estrogen receptors inside our cells. So there, there are many plant compounds and even herbs that have effects that are similar to estrogen that fit nicely into that receptor. So when that roller coaster is happening, our cells are sort of, that effect is softened a little bit. So there are many herbs that have this effect like red clover, even hops. Um, you know, and then foods like flax seeds are a source of what we would call lignans that are phytoestrogenic in, you know, their effects. I love it that you're bringing this up because, you know, unfortunately, when you go to a medical physician, they often will just give you, okay, you know, you complain about your symptoms and then the first go-to thing is, here's the pill. The birth control The pill. birth control pill, mm -hmm. right? So, um, that's definitely their first choice that is offered. And so it's great to have that option for women. And is there anything else like outside of the birth control pill? Like what, what, what do you do? Like you're presented this as an option. Do you just say no, sorry, thank you, no. Or, you know, because you're faced you're like in front of a physician, what do you do? I know. You know what? It's like it's like the the band-aid for all the things in in medicine. It's like anything sounds hormonal, birth control pill. That's like what you're given, right? But it's sort of what birth control pills do is they just shut your hormones down. And I'm not against birth control pills. They're, you know, they've got their place. They're great for certain people, but if you want to actually solve the problem, they're not really going to do that. Um, so, you know, I would definitely ask your doctor what other options there are. Um, for example, like progesterone is one treatment that can help with hot flashes, that can help regulate cycles. Um, there is a treatment called cyclic progesterone uh, that's also by uh, created by this researcher that I was mentioning before, Dr. Jerry Lynn Pryor. She has done, her whole life's work has been uh, cyclic progesterone therapy, which is giving progesterone according to the natural cycle two weeks out of the month. And that can uh, solve a lot of different problems without shutting all the hormones down. So that's an amazing option. Um, and then there's a lot of natural treatments too, but definitely lifestyle, diet, exercise, sleep, all of those things can make a huge difference for your hormones. And then, you know, you could reach out to someone like, you know, a naturopathic doctor, an acupuncturist, a TCM doctor, someone can guide you. There are so many different options that can really help uh, without, you know, going the birth control pill route, if that's not what you'd like to do. For awesome. sure. And as we're going through this estrogen storm or trying to embrace it and balancing our estrogen, as we go through perimenopause, what's happening to men and their hormones and how does that interplay in our connection with each other? Yeah, for men, it's, it's a little different. It's a bit more subtle. So for them, it's like a gradual reduction of hormones of testosterone in particular. Um, and uh, as men get older, you know, they, they have less testosterone. Um, this happens primarily, um, you know, f because of the adrenal glands, but also just the aging process for men. And so they may feel, you know, changes with their energy, their libido, their drive, their cognitive function. Um, but it doesn't have that same abrupt kind of um, change that you'll see with women, but it, it can affect men a lot. And, uh, you know, we see a lot of male patients saying they just don't feel, you know, the same energy that they used to have. I love how Alison Armstrong talks about how uh, Alison Armstrong is a woman who studies men and she has been studying men for many years and how she kind of describes it as um, 
as men's testosterone is kind of declining and they're a little bit more open to talk a little bit more, have their little estrogen, you know, their estrogen presented a little bit more and women are kind of driven and, and their testosterone is kind of going up as their estrogen is declining. There's a little bit of this time of this phase in their life, but there's a little bit of a disconnect around that kind of perimenopause closer to the 50s. And so how it, it, it's so important to recognize that it's not just that, you know, you wake up one day and you decide to be disconnected with your partner, but perhaps it's something you want to understand each other's hormones and how they interplay and, and uh, really working on communication, but also supporting men to perhaps be working out and supporting their testosterone, looking at their insulin resistance, because um, that for women and men, the hormone shifts, their sex hormone shifts often does play a role with their insulin resistance. They start to get a little bit more resistant and blood sugars start to creep up. But like you're saying, if they're focusing on nutrition and exercise that they can bypass that and have less of the swings, I think, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, there's so much that both uh, women and men can do um, with their lifestyle. Um, and even just getting enough sleep is something that yes. is people don't do, right? So, um, and it, it, you know, we're learning more and more about all the things that happen when we're sleeping, all the repair processes that happen inside our bodies. So, you know, just those basics really make a difference for both men and women as they age. Um, and yeah, we sort of become in many ways more similar as we get older because, right. uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, men, men right. tend to make more estrogen, right, from their fat cells and as they get older and less testosterone. And then women, um, you know, make less estrogen and, you know, still make testosterone. So, um, yeah, I find it really fascinating. It's all part of the natural process of, of life, living as a human being. Yes. Yeah. So then the one thing I love that you said that and the natural process of being a human, right? Yes. Because, you know, as we speak to this topic, oftentimes people's direction will be, oh, then that means there's something wrong and there's something to fix. And this is not what we're talking about. It's like, how do we align ourselves? How do we balance ourselves more so that we don't get expressed in certain um, with ha having certain symptoms that are uncomfortable? for myself and for others <laughs> or angry at the exactly. symptoms or angry at the hormones. Yeah. We want you to exactly. love your hormones because they do hormones. so much. <laughs> yes. Right. They do yeah. so much for you. So we just need to, you to understand that you can balance them and support them and that yeah. it's okay if they are a little bit of out of balance sometimes because we aren't perfect. Right? No, absolutely mm -hmm. not. Yeah. And, and then, you know, just looking at your menstrual cycles as it's not like an enemy, it's, it's, it's just what is. And, you know, this is what it is to be a woman. Let's embrace it, right? And that there is help. Go see Dr. Fiona McCullough. <laughs> <laughs> well, they right? do. Right? <laughs> yes. Both of you, too. And they yeah. say, like, so interestingly, like, in human civilization, um, grandmothers are responsible for the longevity of human beings. So that's why we go through menopause. Um, if women continued to have babies in old age, they wouldn't be able to help raise the grandchildren. And so oh. having, yeah, having menopause at an earlier age is more unique to humans. And they've even uh, studied animals where, you know, they induced menopause and then the future generations lived longer because the grandmothers were there to ensure the, the survival of the grandchildren. Oh, okay. Wow. So it's so part of, so part of evolution, it's like the grandmother will help um, the, 
next generation to prosper. Is that what you mean? Like taking care of them? Taking care of the babies. Yeah. Yeah. Cause each, uh, each child is so, as we know, it's a lot of work. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> yeah. That's, that's what they are. Yes. Yeah. Well, <laughs> busy, know, mama. This is a very really interesting thing. <laughs> so, you know, I'm going to add this in and I know we're, sp- we're out of time, but like, I think this is really raising a really important point because mm-hmm. As women get older, trying to conceive, yeah, right. Like I am postmenopausal. I went into menopause at forty-seven. I have a uh, eight-year-old, and I'm fifty-two. So, like, there's a shift in dynamics, right? Because te- technically, then what you're saying is that I should actually be a grandmother already. <laughs> Not necessarily, but <laughs> <laughs> you could be. You, could, you technically could be. Yeah, yeah. I had. My babies at 35 and almost 39. So yeah, yeah, you're, you're right. We could be, and we will be. And we'll be gone yeah. grandmas, but it makes total sense these from an evolutionary yeah. perspective. Yes, we live longer, so we can be. We will be. Okay, right. But just yes. the dynamic of uh, of a more mature woman being yeah. a mom, is that going to have an impact? I mean, this is just conversational now. Right? Yeah. Like, you know, what do yeah. you think of that? Like, and a more mature yeah. woman having very young kids. Like, not in terms of judgment, in terms of, you know, what yeah. happens dynamically, <laughs> yeah. hormonally, right? I, I actually think it's beautiful and natural because in the natural environment, you know, the grandmother would be very, very much involved in raising young children. Um, and it's it's very natural. And you're going to get more wisdom from the grandmother as well. So as, you know, older women are having children, you know, I kind of think we're going to see wiser children being raised personally. More patient. Yeah. <laughs> More pa- definitely yeah. more patient and no hormone roller coaster. <laughs> so yeah, no, no yeah. Here. but I will say, I will say this. I think, I think the children that are um, born to uh, parents that are more mature, um, they automatically have a sense of um, like more sense of confidence because if you're a 20 year old yes. having a child, you're like barely knowing yourself, right? True. You're finding oh, yourself. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Still, yes. Yeah, barely mm-hmm. even there finding yourself. Like mm-hmm. you're still partying it up. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <Never>. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. So, like, it's, I felt like life. a child at that age, personally, you know? So. Yeah, yeah. I agree. So thank you so much, Fiona, Dr. Fiona, for joining us today. One of the things that we do at the end of each show is we ask our guest, uh, how did you fill your cup today? In other words, uh, what have you done recently to embrace you first, your health and your mind? I, you know what? For me right now, I'm saying no to things. Like that's nice. the mode I'm in. <laughs> yes. I learned yeah. about myself as I've gotten older that I would say yes to a lot of things to make other people happy. And they were not necessarily things I wanted to do. And so I've been saying no, just, just practicing saying no and just saying, no, I can't do that. I don't want to do that. You know? And I feel like that's like opening up space for things I want and it's nourishing my soul because I think a lot of the time when we're raised from little girls, we're trained to please people. And um, as I'm getting older, I'm sort of seeing there's only so many hours in the day. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. beautiful, beautiful. I love it. Yeah. That, <laughs> Thank that you. So awesome. Very um, wise for sure. And so where can we find you? Where can we connect with you? It's going to be in our show notes, but you might as well say it as well. 
Yeah. So um, I have a clinic in Toronto called White Lotus Integrative Medicine. Our website is whitelotusclinic.ca and I'm on Instagram at Dr. Fiona ND. Awesome. And if you like this show, click subscribe and like and share and enjoy the next one. Thank you. Thanks for having me, guys. It was amazing. Thank you love, so love your much. Show. Thank you for joining us. Click subscribe, like, and share. Please comment and suggest topics you want us to cover. Until next time, ask yourself how you're going to embrace you first today. For more podcasts, check out embraceyoufirst.com. And follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube.